Hey, how you doing, Ignite City? Hey, we're uh, we're going through the book of Job right now in our Bible reading plan. And uh, one of the things that stood out from this morning's reading was uh, just verse 2 of chapter 19. Uh, Job is pretty much just explaining and opening up about the agony he's in. And being completely raw and honest about how he feels like God is against him. Um, and that he feels like he hasn't done anything wrong. His friends show up, and it's weird how when you read the friends' responses, uh, they seem to get really bent out of shape pretty quick. It's almost like whenever Job speaks something, they're quick to defend God. Uh, rather than just continuing to point Job to God, they, they feel like they need to defend him. Or if Job speaks up against them, they take it so personally that it's almost like a retaliation. Uh, it's almost like they they wear the emotions on their sleeves, and I know that um, there's many people that do. That's the norm. Um, and in fact, I'm I, I I can wear my emotions on my sleeves. I'm pretty quick to want to defend, or I'm pretty quick to want to uh, like if someone's talking trash, I want to talk trash back. And uh, I really feel like God's grown me a lot over the years, but there's it's still in me. Like I still want that, but I don't know that I should ever especially if seeing a person suffering and going through horrible struggles. Um, I want to point them to truth. I think, I think we're supposed to point people to truth, but we can do it in a loving way while we hurt with them and while we allow them to hurt and be honest and point them to especially parts in, in the Psalms uh, where the writer of the Psalms, wh whoever the author is of a specific Psalm, that they're being completely honest before God. And they're just pouring out how they're thinking and feeling I feel like we can encourage people in that way rather than just kind of dig truth into them and they just have to accept it without really showing love. Uh, so he says in verse two, he says, this is Job responding after kind of one of his friends just kind of rips into him about it. In, in chapter 19, verse two, how long will you torment me and break me in pieces with words? And friends, I think it's important for us to remember it. And I don't know if you're listening to this, if you ever heard this, uh, maybe the younger ones didn't. Um, but for those who are a little bit older, um, you've heard that phrase, hey, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names or words will never hurt me. And I think that is one of the biggest lies. Because here's the thing, like sticks and stones, like what if I break my arm? Um, I can get it, I can get it set and I'll know that I broke my arm. But a lot of times from the things I've heard and read that the bone will actually grow back stronger. And uh, if it's, I mean, if it's done correctly, um, even if, even having surgery, I may have a scar, but I don't know that I constantly keep looking at that scar. Um, but when it comes to words, isn't it amazing how words can plague us? What we say um, plagues us. It hurts us. And the words that we say to others hurt them. And if we're, if we're brutal and we're not gracious and merciful, we're not showing favor or love toward people. The words that we say, um, it can actually impact people for years to come, which will then impact how they interact with other people, which will, it's a domino effect. And so when you, when you take Job here, he says, how long will you torment me and break me in pieces with words? And I, I, I just wrote this passage next to it in my Bible from James chapter three, um, verses one to 12 where um, I'll just read it. James says this, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. 
For we all stumble in many ways, and if anybody does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Listen to that description that our tongues, that, like, and, and he's speaking about our speech, but the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Friends, it is so easy for us to forget that, yes, if, especially if, we, if, if you have a relationship with Jesus, we can think, well, I've been changed and God's redeemed me. And it's so true. And the old is gone. The new has come. I'm a new creation. And it is so true. But friends, we still battle with our flesh. In other words, we battle with our sin nature. Um, our, we have appetites and we have pride that we have to continually confess before God and repent from. And it's so easy for us to forget that. And then, and I, I kind of mentioned this on Sunday, um, and I, and guys, I am grateful that I get to live in the, in the United States of America. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, but I'm grateful. And I'm grateful for a First Amendment right to speak, that I have the, that I have the freedom of speech, that I have the freedom to say things. But it doesn't mean that it gives me license to say anything and everything that I want to say to anyone. But the Bible is actually, the Bible actually tells us that, man, that's foolishness. That I'm supposed to speak the things that God actually wants me to speak. And then I'm supposed to do it in such a way that even if it's a hard truth, I do it with gentleness and love and respect. Not just this attitude of I can say whatever I want to and they just have to deal with it. Truth hurts. Guys, I don't know about you. I guess the end result of me wanting to share something with someone. A lot of times when I have to have a difficult conversation or bring up a topic, I usually ask myself, so what's the end goal? And I don't say it to anybody else, but I'm just asking, so what's the end goal of this conversation? If the end goal of a conversation is simply that the other person would know that how wrong they are and how right I am, um, and that they'd feel repentant and or at least beat down so that I win, well, of course, then I'm just going to jump on this bandwagon of say whatever you want, truth hurts, and they just have to suck it up. But if I actually want to honor Jesus with my words, and I actually want to see that person come to true repentance, where they would turn to Christ, um, that they would confess sin, that they'd turn to Christ, that they'd experience newness of life, uh, they'd experience freedom from what it is they've been struggling with or how they've been in rebellion against God, then I want to deal with it a different way. It doesn't mean that I don't speak truth, but I can speak truth in love and I can speak truth with gentleness and really working through a conversation rather than here it is, suck it up and deal with it. Friends, Take a look at uh, social media. I, I doubt that it's changed from when it is that I stopped using it. But how often are people just throwing these quick, uh, these quick drive-by memes or these quick drive-by statements just to kind of tick off the other side of whatever it is that people are fighting about? You just throw it out there without really actually engaging into conversation. And when I hear people say, uh, when it comes to social media, and they say, "Well, this is how people, this is how people communicate." This is how people speak to one another. This is this is the main form of communication in our in our age. And I sit and I wonder why. Why is it that we've actually succumbed to that idea? That we've we've actually thought that this is the way that you have to do it. Or the best way to get the word out is through social media as if all of us are trying to save everyone on the planet while we're a lot of times ignoring the people who are right across the street from us. 
what if we're just supposed to really engage in our neighborhoods and in the people that we know and we can actually speak face to face with them or on the phone and have true dialogue because we actually care for them rather than these quick statements that we think is really going to change anyone. And so when he continues on and he says, or back to verse six, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. I think we need to remember that if my tongue, if my tongue is a world of unrighteousness, I need help to restrain it. He goes on, the tongue is the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. That's a pretty strong descriptive of what is of what our speech is tainted by and seasoned with. It's seasoned with the fire of hell. Verse seven, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers or my brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour, I'm sorry, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. In other words, if in one moment I'm speaking praises to God and I'm singing praises to God and I'm speaking truths about God, and in the next moment I'm tearing someone else apart, rather behind their back or to their face, James would look at us, and I believe inspired by the Holy Spirit from, from the letter that he wrote to a bunch of Christians, hey, it shouldn't be like this. See, our, our tongues can't be tamed. And so if the, if the tongue can't be tamed, then are we hopeless? No, no, no. We have the Holy Spirit on us if we're followers of Jesus and we continually ask him for help. But when is the last time that you or I actually asked the Holy Spirit to help us with our words? I know that many people say, well, uh, again, you'll jump to, well, or how often I hear, well, I'm Irish and so I've got an attitude. And I just sit there and go, so what? Like, what does that have to do with anything? Just because you're, you're, you have ancestry from somewhere else, do we actually think that it's okay then to disobey the very direct commandments of God? Because, well, this is who I am. Friends, I think for way too long, we've settled for messages that say, well, this is who I am, and so accept me, rather than actually wanting to move forward with God and who he wants us to be. For who God wants us to be is so much greater than who we, well, this is just who I am. Guys, may we not settle for just who I am, but always wanting to move forward with who God calls us to be. But we can never use excuses of this is my personality. This is my background. This is what I've gone through. This is how I've suffered. This, this is my nationality. Or this is my, my, my family lineage, lineage is from another place in the world like Irish. We say, well, I'm Irish and therefore I've got a temper. At no point does God then look at you. Oh, wait, you're Irish. I totally forgot then of course you can treat people like crap. And of course you can speak any words that you want to because man, Irish, man, they got a temper because that's this phrase I've heard. Or like, and especially, and then if you're redheaded on top of that, which I, I used to be before I became follically challenged, then it's like, oh man, then even more of a temper. Guys, we got to stop making excuses for disobedience, thinking that we've actually justified our rebellion against what God has actually called us and commanded us to do. And so back to Job chapter 19, verse 2. How long will you torment me and break me in pieces with words? When I read that, I just I just thought, man, I don't want to, I don't want to be that person. Um, 
I wrote this in my journal. There is power in our words, power to tear down and destroy, as well as power to build up and heal. And may we as followers of Jesus, his church, be known as people who have a desire uh, to speak words that empower and build up and bring healing to people. It doesn't mean we don't bring up the gospel. Of course we do. And the need to repent uh, from our sin and turn to Christ and that the wrath of God is coming. All those things are true, but I can do it in such a way that people hear the whole message and not just not just the, the messenger's attitude while I'm speaking it. So friends, one last time, how long will you torment me and break me in pieces with words? Friends, how are you speaking? The other one, the other group real quick, how have you been spoken to? And is this something where you're feeling it? And I want to encourage you, there's healing in Jesus. And it comes through abiding in him, spending time with him in the word and in prayer, in fellowship with other believers. Uh, in, you're part of a church community, be in worship gatherings, serve other people, practice these the spiritual disciplines, those and the many others that are that are described in the scriptures. You continue to walk humbly with God and you work through the process. And maybe for some, you've got you to find a, a Christian counselor who can kind of help you untangle some of these words that have just been binding and um, and holding you down that you might experience true freedom. Friends, I think that's super helpful as well. So I hope that this was an encouragement and a conviction for all of us. Friends, thanks for, thanks for hanging out. Um, would love to hear what it is that God's teaching you. Just send me an email, brian at ignitecity.church. Would love to dialogue with you on that. All right. Love you guys more than you know. We'll see you. Bye-bye.